Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 85 of our Baseball Weekly, the weekly podcast from the Baseball subreddit. My name is Lewis, and today uh, I got to sit down with user Hugging Joints, aka Beto, and we get to talk about the Mexican League, who he used to commentate for and has been updating the sub regularly. Shout out to user Baseball Scraper, who asked for some more international coverage. But before we get to that, I am joined today for the intro by the person who has been the rock of the intro these past couple months. <laughs> Dylan is back to continue to talk to us about the news from the week. Dylan, how are you doing this week? Uh, I'm doing well. I guess I got my own little streak going on while all these other baseball teams have their own streaks of greatness or awfulness going on. So I can, uh, I'm like the Dodgers of the R Baseball podcast right now. That's right. You just kind of just just keep rolling. Just keep mm-hmm. rolling. We'll talk about them in a little bit here. I guess first off, I do want to get our trivia question out of the way. And uh, where last week we had a throwback to the 70s. Uh, this one is a fairly recent one here. So we'll, we'll see if you've been paying attention this season. Uh, so our trivia question for the week, Bill Duggleby was the first player to hit a grand slam in their first career at bat in 1898. Which National League player became the fifth player to do this on June 19th, 2022? You see, so so last week, me uh, and um, my co-host last week, we both pretty much agreed immediately, like, there's no way we're going to get this. We're not 70s historians. Right. Like, just not our era of baseball. But I think I got this one. So remind me at the end of the podcast, because I actually think I know this one for sure. But all right. Obviously, it's that, a chance. It's not true. We'll, we'll have to uh, we'll, we'll have you give a give a guess at the end of the intro here and we'll let everyone else uh, wait. Uh, speaking of waiting, the Padres are going to be waiting for Fernando Tatis to come back and join them for quite a while as the biggest news story from the week was easily Fernando Tatis Jr. after looking like he was going to be all set to uh, rejoin the team for the playoff push, uh, 80-game PED suspension for a straight-up steroid. Not not a masking agent, not, not something weird like... Uh, just, just a straight-up steroid. I, yeah. <laughs> it's can we just all collectively give like a round of applause to the San Diego Padres for, for like creating like the world's greatest sitcom or drama out of this well, baseball just, season? It's all like, I don't everything just you can't make this up. I just I don't I don't get it. Like first of all, obviously, like as as uh Preller stated, like there's just no trust there right now. Basically, he says, in many more words, I don't trust Tatis right now, because first he's getting injured doing stupid stuff, and then mm-hmm. this. Um, it's and bad. Like, and I, I, don't, I don't get it for him, because, like, most of the time you see, nowadays, most of the time you see these PED suspensions, uh, it's players that are, like, quad A players or they're guys that are um, kind of sunsetting their career or holding on by a thread um, and just are trying to find some edge to, to stay in the majors. Um, or they get popped in the minor leagues, and um, there has been a tendency for a lot of uh, Dominican players recently. I, I think there have been some uh, links to some of the academies. Um, right. Just... Just in general, not that the academies are pumping it out, but that there are trainers there that might not be fully. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that just just leave it at that. Um, but Tatis has his bag. He he has the contract, and he's yeah he's coming back from injury, but he he just didn't need this right now. Like I don't just, I don't get it. The timing is really unbelievable, and I I know I. I would love to know. I'm sure it'll come out eventually, right? The I hope the Athletic or someone writes something like exactly how this happened over the last few months, where it's like his entire rehab happens, and then he finally 
it's busted because the test happened in March, right? The test happened right. a long time ago. And Prowler and them said so they didn't know about it until this week. You know, so yeah, like, like who knew about this and when, you know, and I mean, clearly they expected him to come back and play this week. Like that seemed right. to be what this was heading toward, right? Or like a weekend debut. It could have been today, you know, as far as we know. So, um, well, and that's that's something weird yeah. because I know uh, we've seen the the last couple guys who who got popped. Um, we'll see their teams make some roster moves beforehand, and it comes out that yeah, the player had informed the team that this was pending. That, uh, you know, there, there was the initial appeal, but there wasn't much chance of success that the appeal goes through, uh, whatever. Um, this blindsided them like. No, no forewarning. Yeah, it sounds like they heard it from MLB before they heard it from Tatis. And there are just so many de- like there's so many details that we still need to know or I'm interested in knowing. But at the same time, what we know is crazy enough on its own. You know, like, I mean, I think yeah. the, the wildest part to me is is not just the suspension or whatever, but like the like response he put out that labeled it as like, hey, I was trying to treat some like, what do you say, ringworm? But yeah. Like he like listed the wrong drug and it was very like people are like, hey. He meant to say he he said this and looked it up, you know, probably thinking it was this. It was actually this, the actual right. It was anabolic a- steroid <laughs> that was being used, and so I I understand. I'm not gonna necessarily like, you know, I don't think Tatis now becomes Barry Bonds or whatever, or like come like all totally vilified or whatever. But like, it feels it feels very like 2000, like 2000 ish where it's like someone like going all out to like deny 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 this type right. of thing because usually when we've seen it in the past like had a little bit of that with ryan braun but everyone else has typically been like i'm so sorry like you know blah blah, blah. and it's like obviously something could have happened right like i don't right. and a lot of times steroids are used for rehabilitation but like you're not getting anabolic steroids from any like real doctor that knows what's going on you know so you clearly like either sought this or have really bad people around you and either way it's it's pretty it's pretty brutal for tatis in pretty much every way other than the fact that he doesn't really lose a lot of money you know i guess that's the one good part for him um most of his money is after this next couple years so but man something else yeah the uh padres i i I hope they they do they make some noise in the playoffs and uh, do some stuff without him this year because the uh, the heel turn that the Padres are going to have with Tatis and Machado in the lineup. I know Machado seems to have matured a bit uh, as of late. Um, one or two non-hustle plays aside, he he's kind of kept his head down a little more, but there's still a lot of people that do not like him and. Uh, yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Juan Soto just, is just along for the ride. <laughs> right, like, man, uh, he's he yeah. is there a good PR right now. That, yeah. that is what Juan Soto's job is. <laughs> hey, guys, look at Juan Soto. How great look, is he, right? He's amazing. Yeah, we love him. Uh, well, speaking of amazing, uh, Mr. Drew Rasmussen was amazing today, Sunday, and he got very close to perfection, losing a perfecto in the ninth inning. And I really I don't know. We were, were, were you be... watching this one? Yeah, I, I was. Uh, so I, I couldn't watch it because I'm blocked out or uh, blacked out of Baltimore games in Virginia. Mm-hmm. But I was keeping up with it. I genuinely thought we were going to have to start today's podcast with, hey, Drew Rasmussen just threw a perfect game. <laughs> like, right. of all the weird guys, like, one, the Rays just don't. Like even, you know, Shane McClanahan basically gets a leash to go into the sixth and seventh. And that's basically it. Like Rasmussen has more like four inning starts than like six inning starts, you know? And it's like, that's the guy that had, he was at like 80 pitches. It was unreal. Like it's just nothing was working for the Orioles. It's not like it was like, I think he had six strikeouts at that point, you know? Like that was, that was nutty. And, uh, you know, obviously came out just a little bit short, but. Kind of a shockingly awesome performance 
even if it came up just a little bit short. Yeah, he did. I, I mean, the unfortunate thing is he he loses the uh, yeah, let off the ninth with a double. So he yeah. and then uh, the runner came around to score. So unfortunately, lost the no no, the perfecto, and then the shutout all at once. But um, he he did get one out in the the ninth. Uh, they did have to bring in a reliever to finish the game. His final line. Uh, 8.1 innings pitched, one hit, one run, one earned, seven strikeouts, uh, and uh, then uh, was relieved to to close out that win for the Rays. So um, great job by him. But uh, yeah, just a little short, which is yeah. which is unfortunate. I don't know. Have you uh, have you watched the uh, Captain Ahab documentary by? I Dorktown yet. I have not. YouTube. I have not just sat down to just ingest all of that, but uh, I really need to. It's it is very good. Um, everything that they're putting out right now is just top tier content. Um, John John Boys is amazing, like straight up. Uh, oh, that that is sure. what uh, got do. me through my uh, my ninety degrees out. I'm gonna run on the treadmill inside runs this this past <laughs> month. Uh, <laughs> That I've been watching those, and um, yeah, uh, they kind of helped me fall back in love with that uh, that romance of a no no, a perfecto, mm-hmm. uh, of just striving for that. And yeah, uh, yeah uh, sad that this one didn't go through uh, as a perfecto because perfectos are absolutely amazing. Yeah, I th- I, I do think we are on the cusp. I, you know, obviously it's impossible to say when it's going to be right, but if you just look at history and we're we're creeping closer and closer as far as like, you know, it's just really hard to get hits off of great major league pitchers right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, and you got a few teams now that have traded away some guys. I mean, the Orioles have been on a really nice streak recently, but the lineup is, you know, once you get past maybe the top three, it thins out pretty significantly. Um, so you have a few teams that you'd think might be susceptible to this for various reasons. Um, you know, we saw it last year with Cleveland, I think, and, uh, the Rangers, you know, some of these teams that just swing it a lot. I mean, the Rangers we talked about earlier in the season because they've had multiple immaculate innings thrown against them. Right. You know what I mean? So teams like that, that have maybe you know, some really heavy weaknesses in the lineup that they're not super concerned about filling this year might be susceptible to something like this. So I, I think it's going to happen. I just don't know when or what the circumstances would be. I definitely would not have guessed Drew Rasmussen. Like, no. Drew Rasmussen yeah. going six and then, like, a combined? Sure. Like, that kind of feels crazy. But Rasmussen coming through with eight-plus after being basically a reliever before last year is nuts. So really uh- cool. My uh, calling my shot here with it, the Mets play the Nationals at the beginning of September, the first weekend in September, and they close the season uh, against the Nationals. So I'm Grom or Scherzer going up against that Nationals lineup. Yeah, Uh, that is definitely the lineup. That's uh, that's where. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I'm now now I'm looking at the Mets schedule. And actually, let's just block off the entire month of September for that watch. Okay, hold on. I I did not look at this beforehand. The Mets have been on a roll. We're going to talk about the Dodgers in just a little bit because they are absolutely a juggernaut. But the Mets have been doing extremely well lately. They have DeGrom and Scherzer back. They're, They're hitting the ball. And this is their September opponent lineup. And just think about this from an offensive perspective. Okay? They finish up a series with the Dodgers to open the month. But So the first of the month, we'll, we'll cross that off as the easy part. Then, series against the Nationals, series against the Pirates, series against the Marlins, oh, series God. against the Cubs, another series against the Pirates. Oh. And they play at Milwaukee, and um, say what you will, Milwaukee, I think they still have a playoff shot here. They're, they're not out of the race by any means. But their exactly offense is... offensive team. <laughs> the offense is not what's carrying them. Then they play the A's, 
Oh my god. And then they have one more before the Marlins before they uh, close out the month of September by starting a three-game set against your Braves. So um, there is my no-no watch for for September. Just tune into whatever Mets game is on. Uh, <laughs> First of all, that makes me feel horrible about any chance of the Braves getting back in right. the race. <laughs> I think you can basically, uh, you know, just put that one in pin um but i mean this time last week our show was discussing Degrom, and he was two starts in and he had that start against the braves where i'm like this is this is sick you know this is this is he is destroying a really good lineup to the point where i'm like how is this like a per am I watching like the greatest game ever pitched? That is genuinely what I was thinking, like in the middle yeah. of the fourth inning of that game. Cause I, I was like, this is going to be like 18 strikeouts and 80 pitches through eight. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, one lucky walk and a home run makes that look a little worse, but he was still so incredibly dominant And the way he's pitching right now. He has 10 strikeouts over six against the, uh, Phillies the other night. Like, he is as good as ever and him and Scherzer and even someone like Bassett, you know, that entire staff is capable of, you know, big games and DeGrom and Scherzer are more than capable of a no hitter or something better at this point. So that is going to be, it's, it's weird. I wouldn't call it appointment viewing because I think they're going to roll over all these teams, but some of those nationals and, you know, some of those games are going to be pretty, pretty wild to see. Yes, but you know, uh, unfortunately, they play in the NL, and also in the NL right now is the aforementioned Juggernaut Dodgers, who True. have quite the the pitching rotation of their own. Um, I know that wins and losses are obviously not uh, not our favorite stats anymore. However. To be at this point in the season and to have these totals, I'm going to rattle these off. Okay, Julio Urias is 12 and 6, and he has the worst record of, of the starters. <laughs> Tyler Anderson, 13 and 1. Tony Gosselin, 14 and 1. Like, what? What? I think uh, all guys, that, um, all sub yeah. 3 ERA guys. Um, all off the charts ERA plus, uh, and that's that's before that's before Max Muncy and Justin Turner have turned it on in the last two weeks. They are finally hitting the ball, and oh yeah, it turns out Gallo needs the beard, and Joey Gallo's hitting two sixty three, three thirty three, six twenty three OPS. <laughs> Of 965 with two homers since coming to L.A. Thanks, Yankees. Why would you do that? Why, why <laughs> would you do that? I will, I will push back slightly. So Joey Gallo okay. is okay. looking better. Just, he did know, hit a I'm, home run off There's of, some hyperbole here. <laughs> he hit a home run yesterday off of a position player in that like 13-3 game or whatever that was. So keep that in mind. At small sample size, he's still striking out like 50% of the time, whatever he's doing. He always does that. That being said, Max Muncy is slugging like a thousand this month. Yeah. And their pitching is unreal without Bueller and Kershaw. And so the craziest thing I saw, they, so their winning streak just ended today. Shout out yep. Vinny Pascontino for putting that to an end. But um, <laughs> they had won 15 straight. Is that right? And all of I, them were oh, by at least straight. two, 12 straight. All of them were released by like multiple runs. Like they well, didn't they have were one just... game where it was like, I mean, obviously you have a three run game that's tight, but like never was it in like true jeopardy of falling, you know, really no. at ever any point. It which was is just so impressive. Blowouts. Absolute yeah. blowouts. And they're doing it. Grace with... Thompson. <laughs> like, and uh, it's, it's not a weird, to, weird team. Not to dig the knife in too much, but uh, Freddie Freeman is their, their best qualified hitter right now. Um, he's he's doing very well. <laughs> Listen, you'll never hear me saying a bad thing about Freddie Freeman. I wish he was doing it in Atlanta, but if someone, if the Dodgers have to be like the freak team, you know, 
and it's good with Freddie being like the MVP guy. I mean, Mookie Betts is obviously in that mix too. He but, is, yeah, he, um, he's the second best hitter on the team. Sorry, Boston fans. I'm sorry. Both your teams absolutely had the money to hold on to these guys. I'm, I don't, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like well. the Dodgers are supposed to be ripping off uh, you know, small market teams who can't hold on to their guys. They're supposed to be scooping Byron Buxton from us. But they're scooping Freddie Freeman from the Braves and Mookie Betts from the Red Sox? Come on. Come on, guys. Listen, I can't uh, I plead the fifth. Stop handing them these wonderful players. Um, yeah, so they, they're on a roll. Absolute roll. Um, and because baseball is baseball, we know it's going to be two wildcard teams meeting in the NLCS this year because there's no <laughs> there's no way they would allow us to have a Dodgers Mets showdown. Those. Oh, my gosh. Those pitching matchups. Oh. Yeah, it does feel too good to be true. You know, yeah. at least um, one of them's dropping to. Someone. So some yeah. random wildcard team. I don't know. It's probably going to be the Cardinals and their devil magic. Oh, my God. Please. So. No. <laughs> All right. Um, last couple last couple things here before we move on to our interview talking about the Mexican League. Um, I don't know. Did you get a chance to see the Field of Dreams game at all, Dylan? Yes, I uh, saw a good amount of it. Yeah, it was, it was pretty solid. It wasn't it wasn't quite the fireworks of last year, unfortunately. No eight home runs into the corn, which I really missed. Um, but you know, it was a cool vibe. It was, I think it ended up being a pretty good game toward the end a little bit there. And, um, you know, a couple classic teams, even if not great teams right now. So that, that kind of helped the aesthetic. Yeah, I, I do think it, it took a little of the luster off uh, where, you know, last year we had two playoff teams who were, were duking it out. And this year it was the Cubs and Reds who are right. definitively not playoff teams. Um, I, I did think it was it was fun. I, I'm the thing I'm going to look forward to in every subsequent Field of Dreams game is who they decide to send out of the corn. Yeah, like sending Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. out uh, to have a catch. Just just touching moment, even if Sr. dropped the ball. Um, yeah. The Harry Carey hologram was. It was, was an interesting choice. I didn't it was just see, straight up scary to me. I did not think it was as bad as people were saying it was. Like everyone, I was reading the comments uh, on the video, and everyone was like, "This is nightmare fuel." Blah blah blah. And so I'm like, "Oh, it's just kind of a low grade hologram." And I don't know. That's fine. It's weird. It's yeah. really weird. I I hated it, especially <laughs> when there are recordings of him doing it. Like they didn't I had a, need. Um, I had a discussion with a friend of mine about it and I likened it. Do you remember back in 2020 when Fox, when we had no crowds, Fox had like the digital crowds like in the broadcast. Yeah, that and was weird. It was, it was my friend. Uh, I think it was my friend Evan. And he's like, oh my gosh, I like totally like purged that out of my head that that happened. You know what I mean? Like the crate, the weird, you know, yeah. crowd whatever. but that's, it's just like, graphics and doing things like and especially during the pandemic understandably there was you know some like they're trying to figure some things out but this just it just feels so weird you know it's just, it's just not it makes it feel less authentic it makes it feel less of a tribute more like how can we you know profit not not profit necessarily it's just the image of it is just really strange and I just didn't like it. <laughs> is, yeah. that, is that fair? Is that too harsh? I, I think don't know. I think that's fair. I think it's fair. It's a it's just a really weird it's a weird thing when they could have just played a tribute video because yeah. there are multiple videos of him actually leading it. Yeah. Just, you just project that. that on it. Like Yeah. And like I mean, are we gonna uh, you know, RIP Vince Scully, I don't want to see his CDI show up at a Dodgers game in two months. You know what I mean? No. I, it's oh, just no. not, it's not, it doesn't feel right. You know, oh, I, don't, I don't think now it's necessarily the disrespectful. Make the World Series, now I'm worried yeah. that it's coming up. It's like, yeah, our World Series is Vince, like this Vince Scully, you know, computer program, like, you know, introducing the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's my, that's my, uh, horror, but, uh, 
otherwise, I, I, I did find um, John Smoltz has taken a lot of crap, I think, for a lot of different things, deservedly or not. But he mentioned kind of late in the game that his dad had died that day, which I thought was really kind of, um, you know, he was talking about, you know, listen, he would want me here and it's really special because the entire point of the Field of Dreams stuff is father, son, you know, like right how baseball connects that. So that was a really, I think, special moment to hear that, you know, from someone that it seemed like he really cared for that experience, you know, and stuff like that. So um, that was, I really appreciate that. As someone that grew up watching John Smoltz and, you know, I'm sure um, a lot of others did too. It it was cool having that human moment from him uh, in a game like that. Yeah. I mean, that's like you said, that's kind of the whole point of the the field of dreams. Um, It was Fox's highest rated it won the night and it was the highest rated uh, baseball game of the year so far. So yeah. there's that. Um, unfortunately, next year we will not be getting a Field of Dreams game yep. because <laughs> so they're, they're doing construction and renovations on like the entire complex. I think Frank That's Thomas funny. is like part owner and He's, um, they're uh, they're doing some major work at that whole thing. They're turning the whole thing into like uh, a little league, minor league, um, everything tournament complex. I don't know if you saw, they were having minor league games on the field, like all week leading up to it. It felt like you could pop on MLB TV and there'd be M I L B on MLB TV at the field of dreams. So that was, that was kind of interesting. Uh, cool that different teams get to experience that. Um, and I'm I'm sure it'll be back uh, starting in 2024 after the renovations are done. Yeah. Um, Fox is not going to let MLB not bring it back after yeah. winning a random Thursday night. Like, <laughs> right. Right. Um, and I, I'm parroting uh, Craig Goldstein from Baseball Perspectives a little bit here. But anytime baseball can find good times to get baseball on national TV, like, like over like Fox, you know what I mean? Like right. get it on national TV where everyone everyone can turn on their TVs and have the game available. You don't need a subscription. You don't need cable box, blah, blah, blah. All of those types of games are beneficial for the sport, you know? And the more that you can have it, it's like, oh, this is the nightly event that people want to turn into. Or like, oh, this is the cool game. Like we've said uh, in the past, we hope there's one at the Negro League parks, you know, and stuff right. like that. Right. When I said the uh, Little League World Series, you know, there's so many opportunities for this to turn this into an interesting national event that they can do multiple times per season, right? And or just turn great games into these, right? So, right. Um, the more they want to do that is for the better. And baseball is the sport built for it, right? Like 2,430 games, every team gets 81 home games. Um, Every team could afford for one or two games to end up at in Iowa or uh, in Williamsport, where uh, we're just leading in here. Little League Classic is going to be there with the Red Sox playing the Orioles on Sunday Night Baseball next week. Right. It's it's an interesting way to showcase the game. I love seeing them played in all these different locations. I will 100% hit the hype button on let's get some Negro League parks involved. Love to see, but don't. I'm going to say this because we were talking about it. Please, 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 please. We don't need a CGI hologram Buck O'Neill at the Negro League game. Okay, (laughs) don't don't do that. Do not do that. Uh, Just bring out friend of the podcast, Bob Kendrick, president of the Negro League Museum. Have him do a introduction. That's all you need. Please. No CGI Buck O'Neill. All right. Well, that kind of wraps up uh, what I had down for the news for the week. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to talk about and touch on quick here. I didn't know if you wanted to give yourself 30 seconds to be mad about the twins. Um, That's pretty much it. (laughs) You know, if I sit down and complain more about how we made the right moves at the deadline and somehow those right moves were not the right moves because both Lopez and Fulmer have blown games and uh, giving up runs, and I hate West Coast games, because, <laughs> especially when they're close and late, 
because extra innings go by and your adrenaline's pumping and suddenly it's one in the morning and your adrenaline's still pumping, but you feel terrible because your team lost in extras and it's, you just can't fall asleep and it just kind of ruins your whole night. Um, anyways. Uh, That's going well then. It's going going about is, yeah. The, I mean, the whole AL race, which we're going to have to highlight uh, with some, yeah. some other fans here soon, is an absolute cluster it's a mess uh we will we will look forward to dissecting that and seeing if a few things just kind of fall into place here so with with my little rant out of the way (laughs) figure we should give you a chance at our uh, trivia question for those of you who've been sitting on your the edge of your seat since the beginning our trivia question as we I remember it. Bill Duggleby was the first player to hit a grand slam in their first career at bat in 1898. Which National League player became the fifth player to do this on June 19th, 2022? Okay, so you ready? I think I got it, but I promise okay. I, didn't, I didn't look at the you. You hide it in our little sheet, so I, I'm. That's I right. You I it is. It. it is white on white text, and I'm gonna highlight I hope, it. I hope I'm right. <laughs> Is it Marlins rookie Gerard Encarnacion? Yes, it is. Nailed it. Let's go. Way to go. Yes, he hit a grand slam first game back on June 19th. And uh, yes, that's an outfield assist player. in that game. Right. Yeah. Fifth player to, to do so. Well, well, Dylan, thanks so much again for joining for the intro and uh, being a steady presence here. As uh, Naim goes on vacation, as Maz steps back, as Shane's on vacation, boy, he is going to be so excited when he gets back on, <laughs> gets back from vacation and just gets to talk up the Dodgers. And uh, too bad, we'll have to tell him we already talked about them, so he doesn't. No, no Dodgers mentions for him. No uh, Dodgers. He feels busy, and uh, I'm going on vacation uh, next week, so nice. we'll, we'll see. Yeah. This is this is a, a fun time for the for the podcast to have so many people around that you get to just talk to every week. For sure. And, you know, I'll hold down for it as much as I possibly can. Obviously, I'll take a vacation at some point, too. But, um, you know, it's been fun making, you know, having this in my Sunday plans and stuff. And uh, always love talking to everyone else that's involved. All right. Well, hey, for those of you listening at home, stick around in just a few seconds here. I'll be back with user Hugging Joints, a.k.a. Edo, talking about the Mexican League, its history, its structure, and some of the fun storylines from this season. So stick around for that. Well, welcome back, everybody. Lewis here, and I am excited for our next interview uh, with user Hugging Joints, a.k.a. Beto. Uh, Beto is here. Um, before we get started with the interview, though, I just want to give a shout out to listener and Reddit user Baseball Scaper, who requested in our listener survey that we get some more international baseball coverage on the podcast. And this is for you and for me personally, because I have been reading every one of these updates. Beto, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Louis. Thank, thank you for having me, and uh, awesome to hear that uh, you've been reading the, the articles. That's uh, exciting. Yes, so for, for listeners who haven't been paying attention, uh, Beto has been posting updates for the Mexican League pretty much all season. I believe it was either update 10 or 11 that came out this past week, which is all about the upcoming playoffs, which we are going to talk about a little bit. Um, before before we get to that, though, I just want a quick uh, for for everyone listening at home. So, Beto, what is kind of your background with being a fan and following the Mexican League? Oh well, uh, I, I mean, that, I've been lucky enough to to be born in in Puebla, which uh, is it's uh, stayed very close to Mexico City, uh, and it has a professional baseball team in, in Mexico. <laughs> I also come from a, a family that's deeply rooted in baseball. I mean, baseball is a, is a shared thing that we have culturally within with the United States. Uh, so it, it's it, it, it was just meant to be. I played baseball as a, as a kid. Uh, my team was Pericos, and uh, I fell in love with them before falling in love with anything in, M- in MLB. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I I was a child running in the in the halls of the stadium and. I'm 30 and I'm still doing it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I, I, I've been commenting uh, uh, live games, like play-by-play, -play, mm -hmm. since uh, college. Graduated, left it for a little bit. So now, now I'm back. This is my fourth season covering, uh, also with Pericos de Puebla, uh, covering the the play-by-play -play with the uh, with the team, with the broadcasting team. And uh, but it is my first season uh, actually uh, writing something in Reddit, which is uh, very uh, different for me. And by the way, I am sorry because I never ever imagined this would happen, and I would have to publicly say what my uh, username is. I am so sorry. <laughs> I just it was like a inside joke. <laughs> Well, um, believe me, we've had uh, very weird usernames on here <laughs> before. Uh, I, I think it was a, a tweet I saw that uh, completely unrelated to baseball, but they said, uh, like, I really love going on Reddit and reading a deep, an analytical, uh, you know, biologically accurate description of this disease and all the treatments from 420 swag blaze it uh, 69, you know, uh, love usernames like that. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, there we are, guys. But if you if you if you search for Mexican League, you'll find them. <laughs> right, right. So um, I guess what what uh, was it that kind of pushed you to say, hey, you know what? I bet uh, the baseball subreddit would enjoy this, and and kind of got you into writing these updates for us. Well, it, it, boredom, to be honest. That that, that was <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that was my my main thing. The thing is, uh, uh, like I said, I I, I was uh, I've been a part of of the broadcasting team uh for this year at the beginning of the year they told me i'm sorry you you are you you keep your your press pass but you cannot be on the uh, uh on on the broadcast because we are going to reduce costs basically oh, that's uh, so they reduced costs they also hired a, a, another person they wanted a female so they, they had a female on the broadcast uh and so i was there going to every home game doing absolutely nothing for anybody, <laughs> but having to be there and, and, and taking notes and everything. So at first I, I, I tried to, to just share my notes of one game. Uh, I usually take notes of the actual game and what's going on around me. Because, you know, Mexican people are very fun and uh, fun loving. So things happen around you. <laughs> Okay. And uh, so I just shared my notes. It was a, a, a success. Everybody found it very funny and, uh, and nice. So I decided to, hey, if I'm going to be doing this, I'll just give you a quick uh, weekly update on how things are going. And some people are really liking it. And I'm, I'm so appreciative of all of you and uh, glad you like it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I love it. I love uh, keeping updates ever since. I mean, the big thing for me well, with following international baseball was uh, when COVID hit and suddenly there was no major league baseball. And suddenly yeah. I was the biggest fan of Taiwanese baseball. And then as other leagues started up, I started following all, all the different leagues and it was just a lot of fun for me. Now I know uh, culturally, especially um, thinking of like the, the Taiwanese league that I, I was watching, there's a lot different culturally about watching watching the game on the field, both in the stands and actually the style of play. Um, for fans who know nothing about the Mexican League, what are some things that are just kind of different than the, they might be seeing uh, when they're watching MLB games? Well, so that's, it's not going, going to be that different in, in, in terms of the actual game, right? Mm -hmm. The Mexican League is officially uh, uh, seen as a triple A level. So, so many of the things that uh, MLB implements and changes, we also adopt them. So that's not gonna, going to be that different. What you're going to be very, it's going to look very different is uh, the kind of player you see on the field. It's going to be the older side of rosters. We have a lot of very somethings playing in the field right now because this is a, a, a league that uh, works in two ways. It, it uh, gives a second opportunity to a lot of people to reach the majors. Uh, but it also is a way of someone that already went to the majors, didn't make it, and it's looking to extend their career okay. and earn some, some nice money. That's also what we have here. So we have a rosters on the older side. And other thing that you'll find very different is the way uh, teams market between them and each other, because difference between our markets 
out here, all these teams survive on ticket sales, okay. on getting people to the, to the stadium. It's not so much about the broadcast. It's not so much about TV rights. It's not about what your agent can get you. It's, <laughs> it, it doesn't work like that here. So it, it's about the actual game. So you'll find that all of the teams have very different, very unique atmospheres on their stadiums. Okay. So, so it's, that's what you're going to get. You're probably going to get a very different experience if you come to a game, any game, you'll get a very different experience for what you're going to get on a, on a broadcast, on a, on a, watching it on your computer or whatever. Uh, because you won't find many difference. The level is very high. Uh, maybe, uh, you'll find some songs and some chants or whatever there, but, uh, I highly recommend, and I've had a lot of Redditors asking me this on, on private messages and whatever. Uh, should I come to a game in, I go to Cancun for vacation? Should I go? Yes. Go to every game you can. If you like baseball, you're going to love the experience. So you say every, every stadium is just a little different. The teams try to keep their, keep the atmosphere for, uh, your local team. What what does your local team do to kind of distinguish themselves from from the rest of the league? Yeah, so Pericos is a lot about tradition. So this is an 80 year old team. This is the the 80 year old uh, season. So uh, the, the, the atmosphere in the same is try to be kind of old timey, but uh, obviously you cannot be in complete silence and and have this guy playing the organ and stuff, <laughs> stuff like that, right? So. Uh, uh, we have a, a physical manual board. There is a, a chant at, at the seven and, uh, the whole, the whole stadium is made in the seventies, but it's been renovated. So you get a very nice view of the field everywhere you see it because that's the whole point of, of, of the, the whole experience that Puebla is trying to do mm-hmm. is you come to the baseball because you love the game. Also, uh, if, if you know anything about Mexican sports, our soccer is the, the I mean, it's the main sport out here. Mm-hmm. But it also has been having very uh, bad situations, violent situations. Okay. So uh, baseball, and uh, this is something that makes me very happy, have been trying to separate themselves from that kind of atmosphere, that kind of that kind of fan, to be okay. honest. So you'll find, especially here in Puebla, a very family-friendly, uh, oh. very, very family-friendly atmosphere. There's kids everywhere. They are encouraged to play catch in the in the halls and everything. So that's uh, that's what they we do here. That it's special and it's different than any other any other team. Interesting. That's really cool to to hear. I know. Um, I mean. Even up here in Minnesota, we have a lot, a lot of people who used to live in Mexico, and they they're really passionate about their soccer teams. I know, oh. um, always very passionate. St. Paul just held, hosted the MLS All Star Game, and uh, they played the, the I, I don't know which team they played, but they they played uh, one of the teams, and they, it it felt like there were, uh, from what I heard, there were were just as many fans cheering against the oh. MLS All Stars as cheering for them. Um, oh so yeah, for sure. You also be surprised how many Mexicans are around the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> so okay, so you know, you mentioned that uh, the players tend to be on the older side. You got a lot of guys looking for a, for a second chance or a third chance, even. Um, yeah. So, who are some of the notable players that uh, casual baseball fans might recognize if they they throw on a random um, random playoff game and oh, I know that guy. Yeah, okay, so remember, this is not only a second chance league, but this is also a, a, a career extension. Right. Because of these two names I'm going to say, I have to say them because they've been having amazing seasons, and that's Addison Russell yeah. and, and Starling Castle. <laughs> <laughs> so those are, I mean, we also have Mickey Callaway managing a team here, but he's already been fired, so that's okay. Oh, oh he got fired <laughs> again, okay. <laughs> okay, so, so, so we have those kind of players too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also find uh, Henry Urrutia, Fernando Rodney. Uh, Fernando Rodney's still playing. Fernando Rodney's still playing, still still throwing gas. By the way, is he uh, is he is he still walking half the batters before he strikes out the side? Or he, yes, he still does <laughs> that. He's still he's still almost covering half his face with the hat. Right. Well, everything is is okay. You'll also find uh, Chris Carter, for example, Oakland Oakland's Chris Carter. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but any team that you follow probably has a name you'll recognize either from a couple of seasons in the majors or uh, people with more experience and maybe more stardom, but that has, let's say, off the field issues. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and they ended up, they end up here because here society doesn't really know what they, who they are. They just know the name. And, okay. uh, and also we happen to uh, close our eyes to many things. <laughs> okay. So uh, you mentioned that the teams have kind of distinct cult cultures and there there are just some different notable players uh, as far as the teams go uh if we've got someone who's like hey i'm really excited i want to follow the mexican league for the first time but i don't know which team to support what are what are some things they should know about the teams before they uh make a decision okay so so this is a, a, a league it happens i understand it this also happens in major in the right. major league right there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Okay. Here is extreme. There are very rich teams and there are very poor teams. So what you got, you, what you got to know is that all, all of these uh, teams have deep connections, very, uh, 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 are deeply intertwined with the culture of the city they play in. Okay. For example, I was talking about, uh, Pericos being a very traditional team and whatever. This city is almost 500 years old. Mm -hmm. So, so the, the main attractions here are very historical, cultural things. So it, it makes sense for the team to be like that. Diablos is uh, Mexico City's team. So they are the richest team in the league. They have uh, some of the biggest names in the, in the game. And they are also a very traditional team, but they have a brand new stadium that is gorgeous. And the, the food there is also like an experience and whatever, right? So Tijuana, for example, also... They are a border town. They are trying to be back-to-back -back champions. Uh, they pour a lot of money into the into the team because they uh, they have they compete directly against the Padres, right? So, right. Yeah, because they're right so there. They are neighbors. So 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 a lot of people from San Diego come to see the Toros play. So so they have to. Their experience is much more like a major league game because they have to compete like that. Okay. So when whenever let's say choosing a team to root for uh i would really look at the at the city at the place if, if you happen to travel to mexico and you know any of these places you will probably if you like one you'll probably like the team there okay so does that mean all the white yuppie vacationers should go to uh cancun is that the <laughs> uh, that, that's correct if, you, if you're like baseball and you happen to be in cancun in the summer go watch it go watch it Tigres is also a very interesting team because they are a very old team, very deeply rooted in Mexico City because that's where they used to play. Oh, okay. uh, But they moved to Cancun some years back and uh, they first moved to Puebla and now they are in Cancun. Uh, but it's also a very interesting team because that's a very nice team to root for. It has a rich history of championships and amazing players and it's a nice team. But it happens to be followed by a lot of uh, uh, tourists. <laughs> <laughs> the the tourist team. There we go. <laughs> the tourist team. That's right. <laughs> One thing that was kind of apparent at the last World Baseball Classic was uh, games in Mexico City. For those who don't know, the elevation of Mexico City is almost twice as high as Coors Field. Um, is there a, a are, are most of the stadiums at a high elevation or, or are there some that are very obviously like these are the the mountain parks that you got to watch for this um, or, or is it kind of evenly distributed throughout? It, it's kind of evenly distributed, but they are most of them, except obviously the ones at sea level. Mm -hmm. Most of them are very high. They, according to the standards of MLB, they are, they are all very high. We laugh at Coors Field at most of these stadiums. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but definitely Mexico City and here Puebla, they are probably the, the higher ones. Uh, and yes, it is. they are hitter-friendly. The whole league, a lot because of this, but also because a stellar pitching talent does make it to the majors and stays there. Uh, but this is a this is a league that has uh, a higher level in hitting than it has in in, in pitching. 
Okay. So you'll, you'll find out, you'll see a lot of home runs and you'll see a lot of RBIs and you'll see a lot of this. It, it is influenced by the attitude here, but it's also influenced by a, a lower level of pitching. Uh, it's not that big of a separation, but it is noticeable. But yes, I mean, we have some uh, over, over here in, in Puebla, uh, a major league fly ball, it's for sure a home run. <laughs> Okay, so it, on your last post, you mentioned we're we're heading into the postseason. We're heading into the playoffs here. Um, what are if someone's like, hey, you know what, my team's out of it in MLB, but uh, I'm not really. It, it's not playoff time in MLB. I want to watch some playoff baseball. What are some of the storylines they can be watching for going into the the postseason? All right, so, so, so we have a very interesting postseason this year. Uh, this is the first time they are actually doing a, a first round that has, uh, it's going to have a three winners and the best loser is also going to go to like the semifinals, right? So is it, is it like a pool play system or what, what's the structure there? So, so we have uh, also we have let's say two leagues. This is not called leagues; it's called zones here. This okay. is north north zone and the south zone. So uh, the first six teams of each uh, zone went to playoffs. So they are playing each other: one versus six, uh, two versus five, and three versus four. Okay. Uh, but for the next round, you have to have uh, four teams to play each other right and you're only gonna hit you're only gonna have three winners so the best loser is also going to go and have a second shot okay how do so how do they determine the best loser so whoever wins the most games on their series is going to be the best loser or they are going to go with the criteria of uh i think it wins against losses or something like that But what everyone's trying to do is go to the seventh game. If right. you go to the seventh game, you have a very pretty good chance of making it as the as the best loser. Right. That's that's an interesting structure. So what um what what are the teams to be looking for as we're as we're going into this? Okay. So I I think there is five major uh, uh, stories that are interesting. Okay. The first one is Tijuana. Torres is trying to repeat. Uh, as as champions, they they have many uh, ex uh, leaguers. Junior Lake is there, Fernando Rodney is there, Leandro Castro is there. So you have a lot of uh, a, a lot of power in that team. They, and obviously, it's very, always very interesting to watch a team trying to to repeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we have Tabasco, Olmecas de Tabasco, which is they are trying to be the surprise of the year. They were a team that we were expecting nothing from <laughs> at the beginning of the year. But they happen to they happen to lead most of the season uh, number one in the south in the south zone. There's also a political aspect there because they are the current president's favorite team. Oh, so you you've got some uh, people that hate them for no reason other than that, and people who love them for no reason other than that. Exactly, we have a major story going on in Mexico right now because. The mascot of, of Olmecas came into the, the first playoff game on a Navy helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's like, what's this? What is going on? So that's, I mean, this is not a political show, so let's skip that. But right. that's something that is there too. <laughs> this is also the team that has Pablo Sandoval for, for people. Oh, okay. All, all the actual real surprise of this season has been Laredo which is the two Laredos team. This is a team that plays in both Laredo, Texas and uh, in Laredo, Mexico. Oh. So they, they, share, they share their home their home season there. So that's very interesting. They've been uh, a machine this season. They also were, no one, nobody really expected anything from them. They don't have any major names in the roster, but they led, they led the, the North Zone pretty much all season. And they never lost 30 games in a 90-game season, so that's that's a that's an interesting uh, story too. I'm sorry. Before you get to that last one, I just yeah. had so they they play half like half their games in Texas and half on the Mexican side of the border. 
That's correct. Yeah. Are, are they the only team that plays up in the U.S. or are there some other teams that do that? No, they are. I believe they are the only ones that I actually believe they are the only ones that have ever done this uh, pro level. Did they just start doing this or, or is this something they've done for, for a while? I believe this is, this is the second year they, they, they've done it. Uh, I believe it's also in danger because okay. of government in, in Texas is not that excited about, about the people going back and forth. But I'm not sure. Let's hopefully that keeps going. But I, because I, I think it's making a deep root over there, and it's right. nice to have. But yeah, that's that that happens. And uh, also Diablos, the yeah, Mexico City Diablos mm-hmm. is the most popular team here and on anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they uh, this is a team that has Jorge Cantu in the in his last season. He's been getting recognition everywhere. Uh, and they are trying to be relevant again. They haven't won anything since uh, 2014. So they are trying to be champions and also say goodbye to Jorge Cantu, which is a, a major icon of Mexican baseball, mm-hmm. uh, as a champion. So that's interesting. And the very last one is uh, Monclova, Acerero de Monclova, which is a team that heavily, heavily invested on the team. They have Addison Russell, they have Chris Robertson, Chris Carter, Keon Broxton. Brooks Maxwell, they had Mickey Calloway managing their team. So they invested heavily. They ended up on third place of the North Zone, and they are doing this big push to be champions. Uh, let's see if they can make it. Okay. that's So what is, uh, what is kind of the schedule here moving forward? I, I think the, some of the playoff series have already started. Um, yes. And what, what's kind of the timeline for when those games are getting played out? So, so the first round already started. It started on Tuesday, uh, and it's been it's been playing it's been playing all this all this week. It's going to be played play through the weekend, uh, and uh, we'll probably get the, the, these are all seven game series. Mm-hmm. So we're probably going to be getting our our last series uh, finishing around Wednesday. Okay. And then we start another week, Wednesday to Wednesday, of the, let's say, uh, zone semifinals. Then we'll get another week of uh, zone championship series. And then we get, uh, we call it Serie del Rey, the King Series. The King Series, okay. So that's the the final that's going to happen around, probably already into uh, September. Okay. So, so we've got some playoff baseball before uh, MLB gets to playoff baseball. That's pretty exciting. Yes, we are actually Mexican Mexican League usually has over a hundred games. We usually go right along uh, uh, MLB. However, since the pandemic, uh, they uh, shortened the season and they kept it short for this year. We we okay. were expecting a bit of a longer calendar, uh, but this time uh, it was short and it was interesting. It's also very nice to have playoffs. And uh, like, like you said, when these playoffs uh, stop, we have a champion. The very interesting part of, of the majors start. So that's nice. Yeah. Okay, so I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't have this on the outline, but I, I just kind of thought about it. So um, looking ahead, since, since I've got you here, and you're obviously heavily invested in Mexican baseball, um, <laughs> We've got the World Baseball Classic coming up next next spring. How how much coverage does the World Baseball Classic get down there, and what what is the level of involvement among fans of uh, the different baseball teams when it comes to the World Baseball Classic? Well, it, it nothing like it originally was. I, I I don't remember when was the first one. I think it was two thousand and six. Yeah, somewhere around there. That was my major. That was massive. That 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 particular tournament was. Fans were very invested in it. Uh, I think everybody bought the hat and the jersey, and it was it was very big. Since then, it's been diluted. The enthusiasm has been diluting, mm. especially uh, because we have uh, always. I mean, I don't I don't understand what's happening to our societies, but. Everybody's fighting now. Mm-hmm. So there's this side of, of, of fans and of people, baseball people, pushing for one manager, 
there is this other side pushing for another manager that has had very little success. Uh, so we've, we've had this back and forth. It's been happening since last year. So no one is getting really excited because also another thing that's, that happened in, in, in all this time is originally most of the players were uh, Mexican or Mexican recognized or had ties to Mexican league. Now there's a lot of players that have never played in Mexican league. They are not Mexican people because they were born in the United States or whatever, but they find that they happen to have a grandfather, or a grandmother, or some kind of tie to Mexico. Mm. So they don't make it into U.S. team. We invite them to play with us. And you never really have a, a real sense of a team there. Okay. Uh, and people over here don't get really connected with the team. So that's, I think that there's a couple things there that uh, chip away the enthusiasm. But like any competition, whenever... Uh, the whole team, the whole country is being represented. People watch, and we love baseball. So, so we're gonna watch. We're probably gonna have a lot of uh, uh, things to say, but we're gonna watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I I know um, the last couple of years you guys have been stuck in the pool with like Puerto Rico and Venezuela last time, um, and uh, I believe Team Italy, which um, much like the the team Mexico, probably more so than team Mexico is, you know, Americans with Italian grandfathers. Yeah. Um, but I, I noticed this year coming up, you guys are in a pool. Um, you, you've got the U S which is obviously, uh, I mean, Mike Trout says he's playing, uh, Trevor yeah. Story's playing Harper's playing. Looks like it's going to be a good team, but, um, you also have, uh, Canada who they never make it out of pool play. Let's, let's be real. Uh, and then uh, Colombia, who was kind of a surprise last tournament, but they're still not quite on the same level as, you know, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Dominican Republic. Yeah. Um, so uh, you guys might have a decent chance of, of moving on to the, the second round this year. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be very interesting. Very, very interesting for sure. Especially because over here, this is, this is a, a cultural thing, but any sport, anything that we that ends up happening that Mexico competes against the U.S., it's always very important for Mexican people to win. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I don't really understand why. I, I think it comes from soccer, but let's let's yeah. keep it there. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, the, it's always very interesting. It's all it's always going going to be very emotional for us to play against the U.S. Especially, uh, I assure you, most people won't even care about moving forward in the tournament if we manage to win against Mike Trout and all these massive <laughs> so, superstars. So, so I, I, I it's uh, it's that rivalry vibe. You, most people would rather go one in four or one in three in full play, not advance. But if that one win is against the U.S., yeah. Yeah. that. Yeah, that's the tournament right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and let me let me go ahead and speak for all Latin people and say that applies to for Venezuelans and Colombians <laughs> and, and probably the Dominicans too. Only the Dominicans are the only ones with a real chance to do it. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I it, it's always interesting. I I love the World Baseball Classic. Um, I love watching all these all these teams compete. Uh, I love when the the smaller smaller teams suddenly go on runs i know um australia at the last one they almost upset cuba to move on and that was exciting um team israel which again mostly americans with jewish heritage that are that are playing but it, it is kind of fun to see um that uh that passion um i, I know it's a little, it's probably for Mexico, a little more of a, well, we've got plenty of players, uh, whereas Israel and Italy is, they don't, they don't. Yeah, which is the main root of, of people uh, being mad at, at, mm -hmm. at having a non-Mexican, let's uh, use the right. quote here, non-Mexican with a quote, uh, uh, roster. But be, because we have apparently a massive pipeline of talent out here and we do we do we, we do have it but 
what people don't understand, this is the best players in the world playing against each other. So we do have a massive pool of talent, but if we get there with our 15-year-old pitchers, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for sitting down with me this morning and uh, talking through um, these storylines from the Mexican League and the World Baseball Classic. I, I do need to ask, next March... Um, would you be willing to come back on and talk about the Mexican perspective on the World Baseball Classic as it's happening here? Hey, let me go ahead and say anytime, anytime. This was a great conversation. I, I loving to talk about baseball. Hey, we can we could do this every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thanks, thanks again so much for coming on. For you listening at home, stick around, and uh, we will look forward to having you back on uh, this this spring, if not sooner. Hey, it was a pleasure and uh, happy, happy to be doing this, guys. Uh, amazing, amazing experience. that does it for today's episode thanks for listening our baseball weekly is executive produced by me lewis and since nine was on vacation i was also editor this week as well as host for both segments thank you to dylan for joining me for the intro and for holding down the fort our normal editor is nine special thanks to beto for joining us to talk all about the mexican league and the goings on there our theme music was composed by Chuck Leese. Our Baseball Weekly releases every Monday morning before the Rooster Crows right bright and early for your morning commute. We'll see you next week.